That was uh that was pretty impressive. I didn't honestly I didn't think that ball was gonna get out, but um after that first at bat first him, I, I threw that I think I he hit a fastball away and I, I noticed he just missed that fastball away on um that I threw him because I mean he hit it sky high a major league pop up or above it. Um and the next at bat when I went in I didn't think he'd get get to it and he did. He f- fell over in the process and still hit it out. So I'm glad he's on my team. It's Carlos Rodon giving up a bomb to Luis Robert, who fell down. And Were you there? No, I actually saw it on uh, social media. Okay, Andy Mazur, Mark Harmon with you on 720 WGN. Robert falling down and hitting one, what, 15 rows back. James Vegan, who covers the White Sox for the Athletic, does a phenomenal job, is with us now. Were you there, James? Did you see Luis Robert fall down and hit it deep into the seats? Is this a true story? I mean, the way I thought was you see the contact and it's loud and so you immediately go and follow the ball with your eyes and i'm seeing it clear the seats and that give a quick i kind of hear some degree of like i want to say yelling but like you you hear like some talking going on between like Rodon and like you heard a noise from robert and robert's like in the dirt and you're like there's a second of wondering like is he hurt um but then he like gets up and starts running on the line and i check back and i see the ball is like clattering in the center field seats and I was just kind of trying to figure out, like, what, what just happened here? Like, did he get hit by something? Did he, like, how, how does it make sense that he seems like he doubled over in the, the dirt and that he hit a 400-something-foot home run into the center field seat? And it really wasn't until the replay that he realized how crazy it was. And it, it really wasn't even until talking to Robert that you understand what happened was essentially he got fooled, is that he was looking for off-speed away. He was looking for the slider from Rodon, as, as you often do when you're facing Rodon. And Carlos busts him in with inside fastball as he's explaining that, that clip that you, you played. And despite him getting fooled and seemingly looking for an off-speed pitch, he's able to catch up to a fastball and hit it out, which is, uh, I don't know, that's, that's unique. You don't hear about that all the time. Pretty good. Yeah, not bad for a, for a guy who's never seen Major League pitching. Uh, you know, on that, on that uh, end, we, you know, we saw him the other day, James, with the, uh, the, the first inter-squad game. And he came close in the right center field, but it looks like he's hitting to all fields, too, and, and really feels comfortable, does Luis Robert? Yeah, I mean, he certainly has that level of pop. Um, I would say that he, he certainly – he's so aggressive that he can kind of get out in front. And I would say I didn't see him like Homer to right field probably as much as I saw Eloy Jimenez do it um, when he was coming to the minors. I, I feel like Eloy was a little bit more – relaxed and patient and probably more true to the idea of, well, I'm going to be able to keep every off-speed fair if I just wait that little extra half second, and I don't worry about being late on the fastball because I know it can hit out to right field. And Andrew Vaughn's kind of the same way. Robert's mostly more mondo aggressive all the time from what I've seen, but if he's doing that, if he's hanging back on, on fastball as he's working that, then, yeah, that, that's, he should be you know pretty ferocious. I'm going to feel extremely guilty after asking this question, but I'm going to just put it out there anyway, James. Uh, and James Fegan from The Athletic here with us on 720 WGN on the Team Hockberg phone line. Uh, so I think Luis Robert could very well end up in the Hall of Fame. Let me just say that. And then also I'm, I'm wondering if there's anyone around the White Sox that are a little worried the amount of Instagram posts that he's like, he's kind of... He's 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 uh, he's out there a lot here, James. I'm wondering is it rubbing anybody the wrong way that he's kind of already sort of announcing himself? Does that make sense? And, and I and I, again, I feel a little guilty even bringing it up, but I'm wondering <laughs> if it's a little too much too soon. 
Uh, I think a lot of the Instagram posts have less dominoes in it. Mostly everyone's pretty okay with it. Uh, just today, McEwing was talking about how much they love how confident he is and, and how self-assured that he is and the fact that his body language is really positive. I mean, this is a guy who, in 2018, especially if you talk to his manager in Winston-Salem, Omar Vizquel, back then, they were all about trying to get him out of his shell. They were trying to get him to be less kind of adrift in a, in a country because Luis Robert moves so much faster than um, every other prospect generally that is, and the fact that the unique way he got over this country is that he didn't go through like the English instruction that a, a normal, someone like Eloy Menez went through where he, he's kind of progressing every level or Luis Basabe or Jeremy Mercedes. Those are all guys who have kind of been on this gradual level of instruction at every minor league level as opposed to flying through the system. And they're really worried that he was just going to be like adrift in his surroundings or still adjusting to like his new environment and, and very bashful. So the idea of like Louis Robert being too out there or too confident, it doesn't, that's not really the way they've been worried about him uh, the past couple of years. I, I think they'll take this. Interesting. So, so he hits the home run off of Rodon. I want to talk about Rodon real quick here too, because if you look for a silver lining and the craziness that this year has brought and the fact that you're not starting until the end of July, is that you're going to get to see guys like Carlos Rodon healthy. I know Jimmy Lampert is throwing, and and Dane Dunning is going tomorrow. I mean, these are names we've heard about a lot and maybe didn't think they were going to be healthy, and now come the beginning of the season, they may factor in. Yeah, probably in March, these are prospective names of guys who, oh, you hope you see them at some point this year. Maybe they're trade deadline uh, sort of additions in, in terms of that's around the time of the season we can maybe get them back. I mean, I wouldn't have been super optimistic. Jimmy Lambert's uh, Tommy John surgery was June 26th uh, of last year. I really didn't expect him to see, given that some of these guys go from 12 months to even 18 months, I really didn't expect him to see the majors this season. He threw his first – he faced live hitters when he was only like 11 months out of Tommy John surgery. So he's recovered pretty quickly. Uh, Dunning was probably a guy that I thought – I mean, he's – telling me today he expected to start the season and extended spring training. Um, so for them to not only be in action before the season closes, but somebody you can imagine just putting on the roster opening day and having them be available, whether in the rotation or multiple innings out of the bullpen, not one, it's a kind of a guilty benefit of the situation, but also it, it speaks to like them kind of recovering maybe faster than was really anticipated. I think, some people kind of look sideways at Rick Hahn when he said that Carlos would be somebody available like all-star break because the injury history he's had, no one really expected it to go just according to schedule. But now he seems like he's someone who's stretched out and as far along in his advancement as any of your starters. So uh, he did mention that he felt like his velo was a little bit down today, but at, at this point in his recovery, it wasn't something that's like a trend or uh, that he's worried about. And he thinks if he gets five days off, he'll kind of be back in the, where he wants to be. But for the most part, it's, for the White Sox who have not had like smooth sailing necessarily in every Tommy John recovery, uh, you know Zach Birdie didn't get the the same velocity he got when he first got down when he came back. Uh, these three seem like they've gone pretty well. So, all right, let's not bury the lead too much further as far as things going well and not going well. Um, and Michael Kopech, we we all I think anybody who's met Michael Kopech supports any decision for any baseball player for that matter who doesn't want to play but I think Michael's kind of in a special category where a lot of people really like Michael Kopech myself included what's your sense James of of, of what's going on here as to you know why he's not playing and 
sort of the reaction of his teammates and uh, you had you had a great piece on it in the athletic just uh, delving into many different aspects of it what, what why do you think he ultimately decided not to play I was told it was like a variety of factors. I mean, for one, I think it's true for everybody is that, uh, you know, it's obviously a a heightened risk of playing during the situation. And while it's not personal to him, um, he's a young, healthy athlete. And that's, you know, the line people trot out when they're dismissing the risk. Not everyone in the Michael Kovacs family is a young, healthy athlete. So that's something that he has to factor into his his processing of whether he's going to go out and be traveling around the country during the middle of the situation. Uh, the other is kind of the uncertainty. He's coming back from Tommy John surgery, and while you know there are other guys who are doing it, he'd be he was somebody who was really kind of banking on having a very measured approach. You know, they weren't going to pitch him the full season. They were going to monitor his innings. They were going to put him in the rotation and have like a very measured out five day recovery schedule. Now he was going to be entering a situation where he was going to have a shortened ramp up time, which uh, caused a lot of trepidation in his camp and the fact that. It could be an uncertain role where he's not getting regular rest, or he's being he would well, would be being used as a maybe a super reliever or, or, or pitching on two or three days a use rest in different like variable hybrid roles, and that that was something that didn't seem like the, the best situation for him to to come back and be his first season back from Tommy John surgery. Uh, on top of the fact that who knows if the season's even going to go forward, and uh, who knows what kind of health risks are, are involved in being part of it, so. It was kind of a, a litany of different uh, concerns that no one thing really pushed them out, but it, it dealt to this larger uncertainty that they just didn't feel like it was the best thing for his career to, to for this kind of weird situation to be how he re-enters after Tommy John. And it's something that he really had to take part in thinking because there, there's a lot at stake for him as far, as far as the fact that you know no service time accrued this year. Uh, and no salary because he's not deemed as a high-risk guy. So, I mean, guys that love to play baseball, I mean, it, it really comes down to something else, but you really have to make that decision. It's probably agonizing. Yeah, I mean, I feel like maybe the part of it to understand that this is something, it's not a thrown-off decision, is that he, he's, he's losing something here. It's not like he's getting one year closer to free agency and he's trying to get out of town or that he's going to, you know, take anything away from salary-wise, as you mentioned. Uh, he's still going to give the White Sox uh, and is planning to give the White Sox five year, more years of, of production, and then the plan is to do that out of the starting rotation in, in a structured way. So, long term, I think the relationship probably goes well from here because uh, you know everything I heard about from was that Kopex camp really appreciated how the White Sox handled it and the fact that they were supportive of it. And so far, only the voices we've heard from his teammates have been supportive as well. So. Yeah, it, it lowers the playoff odds for 2020 a little bit more, but you know, if I, I think we're somewhere in the thousands of the number of times we've said, heard the con say the words long term yeah. in the past three years. So I, I don't think there's going to be a big rift or any issues with them handling it this way. You wrapped up your piece basically outlining that you know there's 40 players in Chicago set themselves up upon the goal of uh, winning the World Series and Carlos Rodon's coming back from Tommy John. And then you get to Kopech and you say, um, he, but he considered all that, and despite being the least established and least tenured player, yet to elect not to play in 2020, he went and did it anyway. So what does that tell you? And I'm sitting there scratching my head like, I don't, I'm not exactly sure what you were getting at. So can you answer that? What, what, what does it tell you, James? What, 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 you, what were you teeing up there that I'm missing? I, I was basically saying that like, that should tell you the strength of the concerns that he's of putting forward that it's right. not like a, a tossed off decision that it's, you know, yeah, he's weighing all that and then he's motivated by that, but that his concerns about 
whether it's the best environment to return to, to play and whether it's a, just safe to, in general to expose himself while the, while the virus is going on, overrode that. So I, I felt like... He had real big-time concerns. Arguments you would make for why he should play or why it would be like, I, I think they were there, but he just felt his reasons overshadowed them. And I, I, I want people to consider that he's considering all the factors that, that they put forward too. James, what uh, what have been your thoughts uh, of watching games in empty ballparks? And are you ready for that? Uh, you know, even taking pictures of dragonflies during intersquad games. You're, you're doing a great job by, of that, by the way. Yeah, just of that. I missed Luis Robert home run. I got the dragonfly. <laughs> yeah, you did. Uh, it was weird because they. I seemed like they were experimenting a little bit with piping in some sort of like crowd noise uh, today, and uh, I, I don't know what to make of it. It just sounded like I couldn't distinguish it from just the noise of cars on the highway, um, but. It probably made it a little bit harder to hear everything that everybody was saying. Like Aaron Bummer was saying, he could hear guys in the dugout talking about pitch sequencing while he was on the mound. That's that's probably not the normal thing you can hear. And Dallas Keuchel was saying the other day that he thought it would it would be kind of an intense chirp fest if everybody could hear literally everything they were saying when you're facing an opposing team. So maybe they're trying to avoid that a little bit, but it, it still seemed it was still eerily quiet. It still wasn't like a ballpark with noise, uh, like you, there's still not the hum of a of a, an excited crowd. So I don't really know how far they want to go with piping that in. I kind of like, you know, I don't want to like push aside what the reality is. I, I think if it's a side, empty ballpark, we should hear it as such, and and maybe we'll kind of appreciate the, the notes that we are able to notice uh, from that, rather than like trying to you know deny what this is and, and pipe and fake noise. I'm not really too keen on that, even if I get why. I agree. I think there's a a huge opportunity to get a peek at the game in a way that you never would, and they might as well take advantage of it. And if you're worried about language, well, then maybe you – I'm sure you can figure out that part on delay or whatever you would do. Uh, James Fegan, for one more second here from The Athletic, uh, just give me me your sense on what chances you think the White Sox have as far as competing and being in the playoffs this year, James. Uh, I would say – I mean, there's still – I, I'm a lot closer to putting them even with Cleveland than I would be uh, putting them uh, even with Minnesota. I still think they're a little bit of underdogs. I, I would still say it's like a you know a one third shot at really claiming the division. But I thought if overall six month season Cleveland's pitching depth and their kind of ability to just churn out number four starters from from nothing at all times uh, might be something that uh, gives them a little bit more strength over the course of the long haul. But I think that's a little bit neutralized by this current schedule. I, I'd probably put them with that and I. I really don't like Cleveland's offense as much as I like the White Sox. So I really think if Minnesota stumbles out of the gate or, um, you know, if the White Sox, if Luis Robert kind of ambushes the league and it, you know, takes two months for them to adjust to them, which is the entire regular season schedule, I, I think they could make some noise. But I also think, and it's clearly evidenced by the situation with Kopech, that this is this season is not what the entire White Sox rebuilding project is geared towards. Uh, this is really just kind of a bonus that they're able to do something this year. And last one, do you think Ricky's job is on the line depending on the performance this year? I don't see how you really could. Uh, well, one, they, they very much beat down the idea that this is like some sort of prove-it year and spring, spring training. Uh, but I, even if it was, I don't see how you could still hold that same scrutiny to a year like this. Like The problems that this season presents are unique and of their own, and I don't even know if it would translate to what you're looking for for a manager going forward. Like it, It's it's kind of just a crazy situation, and even then, I, I, 
I don't know if I've heard anything uh, negative or, or complaints about how he's handled it thus far. So I, I, I don't see how it reflects poorly on him. Yeah, yeah, Andy, you're shaking. Yeah, I think, it, it's not. It wouldn't be fair. I mean, yeah. it would not be a, a, a true representation of what what a season is supposed to be like. Right, right. James, great stuff. Appreciate you being on as always. Thanks for thanks for doing it on Saturday night. No problem. Thanks for having me, James. Fugan thanks, James, of the Athletic. Uh, check out his piece on Michael Kopech. It's it's really it's it's fantastic. Uh, we'll come on back, react to that, Andy. Look, you look like you've got thoughts. Seven twenty, WGN.